Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. I'm excited to have you joining us as we continue our family Bible studies in the Gospel of Matthew. And today we're going to work real hard and we're going to be doing theology for family life. And by theology, we're going to go a lot deeper than what's commonly thought of as modern psychology, which, you know, thinks it deals with the mind. The, the word psychology refers to the soul, but theology goes to the very heart of the human person. And today we're going to be combining three theological topics from the Gospel of Matthew, kingdom, Messiah, and baptism. Okay, all right. Well, those seem to be a little divergent, but what we want to do is bring those three together, those three truths, to prevent the greatest problem facing the Catholic family and the Catholic Church today. And at least in my opinion, that greatest problem is the youth washout. Young people who have been raised by good Christian families that go through their Christian education, good schools, good catechesis, and they seem to hit the late teens, early 20s, young adulthood, and just wash out. So how do we prevent that? That's a huge challenge. So we're going to start in the Gospel of Matthew with the first verse of chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3. It says, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And John's the forerunner. He's the, the prophet announcing that the kingdom was at hand. Now, I'm going to repeat what I went over last episode because it is so significant and really not appreciated and so I'm going to really take that same concept. The kingdom of heaven in Jewish expectation would occur at the end of history of this present age. In other words, world history would run its course, and then there'd be a future messianic age that would begin after this age has ended. And the huge shock, and it was a shock, is that John came saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Jesus started preaching, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 7, just the next chapter. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What they're saying is, what everybody was looking at through their long lens telescope for this kingdom coming at the end of history has all of a sudden invaded history. And the proper way to view history is BC, before Christ, and after Christ, it comes in the middle of history. Now, what happens to inaugurate this kingdom is at hand is back to Matthew 3 and verse 16. John the Baptist has just baptized Jesus, and it says, when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, 
and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So there's three things there. Let's catch those. Baptized, coming up from the water, the Spirit of God descending, and third, God the Father's affirmation of his love for Jesus, his beloved Son. Now, how many times does a young person today or an older person hear the words, Jesus Christ? And I would imagine even if you ask somebody, some people might think Christ is his last name, Jesus is his first name, but no, Christ is a title. And let's dig into this a little bit because we, we're talking about kingdom, okay? Kingdom invading history, what we thought would come way in the future has now come into the present. And the second is baptism and Messiah, So, the word Christ comes from the Hebrew word for Messiah, okay? So, when you say Jesus Christ, in a Hebrew understanding, you're saying Jesus the Messiah. And Messiah means the anointed one. For instance, the prefiguring of Jesus in the Old Testament, particularly coming as king of this messianic kingdom, was King David. And King David was called the Lord's anointed. And what would mark out the Messiah is he would be, Messiah meaning the anointed, the anointed one, would be marked by God anointing him with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So when we say Jesus Christ, we think of Jesus the Messiah, God's anointed one, by the Spirit of God. And we see all this in Matthew 3. The kingdom is at hand, and boom, what do you see? That expectation, the Messiah would come at the end of history, now he's come in the middle of history. The Messiah, who is he? The anointed one with the Spirit of God. And Jesus is baptized, coming out of the waters, the Spirit of God comes down. And then you have the heavenly affirmation, this is my beloved Son. Now, you probably have heard all this, probably many times, if you go to Mass regularly, uh, the Gospel of Matthew is read through most of it every three years, and the other Gospels have similar passages, and yet it's easy to miss the implications of what we just read, okay? There are really big implications that are easily missed. I'm going to jump forward in Matthew for a moment to Matthew 13. And in Matthew 13, there are seven parables, and they're collected. They're generally termed the seven kingdom parables. But in the middle of Matthew 13, Matthew recounts that the disciples came to Jesus and says, you know, how come parables? How come you speak so much in parables? And Jesus answered, it says, to you it has been given to know, and to know, this is in kind of a penetrating deep way, to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Jesus goes on, 
This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. So let's just step back a moment and just consider when we're talking about the kingdom, things which should be utterly obvious are almost invisible to those who, let's just say in the first century, literally saw Jesus, literally saw him and missed him as the Messiah. Even the religious leaders who were so well-versed in the scriptures of a promised Messiah and looking for him at the end of history missed it. And so Jesus is saying, you know, the kingdom can be missed. And even amongst those who are following Jesus in faith and are joined to him in covenant by baptism, faith and baptism, we can kind of come into a type of amnesia where we just read these things and saying, hmm, these are, these are very nice, inspiring stories about how John the Baptist baptized Jesus, period. And that's it. Now, if the future has invaded history with the coming of Jesus, even those long-distance expectations that beyond the end of history, it, it talked about a transformed life. And one of the things that we find in the Bible, in fact, it's the final scene of the Bible in Revelation 22. This is it. It, it all ends with this promise in Revelation 22 with a river of life. And the river of life comes out of Jerusalem, out of the temple in Jerusalem, and everywhere it goes where those living waters touch something, uh, life seems to bloom, and it's a very uh, dry, arid, and the further you go east, uh, as the river of life goes out, it gets into desert and finally the Dead Sea, and it says the river of life goes out, and there's fruit trees on either side, and you know, they bloom all the time, and the leaves are for healing, and when it, the waters hit the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea becomes a living sea, and there's live fish going around there. So it's a, it's a transforming river, okay? Now, that's great to look forward to, and that will literally happen. I believe that is absolutely, literally going to happen uh, with the second coming of Jesus. But when somebody says but after making grandiose statements like just like I just made, pay a lot of attention. But the secret of the kingdom, despite not having the Mount of Olives split in two and a visible river of life going, see, you could miss some things. And Jesus declared, this is from John chapter 7, verses 38 and 39. Jesus declared, he who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. That's Revelation 22. Now this he said about the spirit, which those who believed in him were to receive. And that happened. That doesn't happen at the end of history. 
it, it began those rivers and the messianic outpouring. Okay, now if you try to catch this, the Messiah means the anointed one, the one with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And the expectation was when he appeared, the Messiah appeared, the outpouring and the blessings of the Holy Spirit, given the imagery of these living waters, would occur at the end of history. And Jesus is saying, this is going to occur in the midst of history. In other words, I'll tell you where I'm going with this. You can't just read Matthew 3 and say, isn't that nice, Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist, period. That was a nice historical event, period. It's just nice to know, period. No, this is life transforming because what happens to and through Jesus, if we're joined to Jesus, it's to happen to and through us. So here's my question. You want to prevent youth washout? Let me ask this question. Do your children realize that the life of the future has arrived for those baptized into Jesus Christ? Now, I'm not saying all the external blessings, you know, the world having peace and health and no sickness and no war and all that, but the internal life has begun now. And coming back to Matthew 13, it's easy to see and not see. It's easy to hear this and not hear. It's easy to hear the gospels read and not perceive what is being offered. And I'll just take that question a little bit further. Not just do your children realize that the life of the future has arrived in the present, but what about you? Because I'm going to repeat this probably in this, this very episode, but Pope Benedict was asked by a young priest, how do we convey the Holy Spirit to someone else. And Pope Benedict says, well, it's very difficult to pass on something you don't first have yourself. So this is a truth for parents because parents, you are the primary educators and formators of spiritual formators of your children. You have to have it to pass it on. So again, the question, are we living as though nothing really changed? in the world since the first coming of Jesus. We read about it. We're very pious about reading about it, and it's great. But the question being, are we actually living and believing as though something earth-shaking has actually changed with the first coming of Jesus? It's not just a nice Bible story. No, this should become our story because we're putting our faith and trust in Christ, and he shares his life with us. So let me boil it down to two simple secrets, twin secrets, secrets of the kingdom that are very easy to miss. You could be listening to the Gospel of Matthew every three years your entire life and miss this. So here it goes. This isn't complicated, but it's easy to miss. Twin secret, number one, the kingdom has come. A lot of that just gigantic load of blessings for the end of the age has invaded time. The kingdom is here. The king is here. And number two, we are in it. In other words, I ended last episode saying, you know, 
how should we live as Christians? And if your children ask you, you know, well, why are we living differently? Because even though you can live next to, say, in a neighborhood with identical houses, same type of SUVs, y'all shop at Costco and Walmart and whatnot, but there can be a profound difference for those who have faith in Christ and are living the realities of the kingdom and those who are not. And so the things we read about in Matthew chapter 3, the Messiah's life, his baptism, the connection with that with the Holy Spirit, because the Messiah being anointed with the Spirit is the mark of the Messiah. So baptism, Holy Spirit, and then this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The affirmation and the deepest, to me, it's the deepest thing for a human being to believe, and it's not believing that Jesus walked on water or the real presence in the Eucharist. My experience, the hardest thing for people to believe, God loves me even though he knows me inside and out. Everything I've done, everything I've thought, everything I've not done, I should have done, he knows it all. God loves me. And that's what that affirmation is that the Holy Spirit brings. Now, let's get down to it. Okay, we're going we're gonna to circle back to everything, the theology we've just gone through. Kingdom, Messiah, Messiah being the one anointed with the Spirit in baptism. But let's talk now about how these things relate to preventing youth washout. Now, I have referred to in last episode and previous episodes in Faith and Family, research done by youth ministry professors at Fuller Theological Seminary. They produced their results in a book called Sticky Faith, and I I still do really tip my hat for those seeking not just to have an assembly line of raising kids in the church and then see you know, almost two-thirds of them leaving in late teen and young adult years. But how do you have sticky faith, that type of faith that's conveyed to children in both uh, Protestant settings and Catholic settings? But how do you get a faith conveyed so that it lasts through those challenging years rather than a washout? So how can we stem the epidemic of young people abandoning the faith? And if you're a mom or a dad and you have, say, like a a seven and a 10-year-old and they go to mass and everything seems to be just hunky-dory, let me tell you the challenge is ahead of keeping that love for Christ through the teen years, through the college years and young adulthood. That is the challenge of the 21st century. Now, in researching this book, the researchers turned up something that even they didn't expect and actually didn't address meaningfully, which is a nice way of saying they missed their own research. There's an article that appeared in Salvo Magazine, a magazine that I have recommended for college students and young adults, very interesting magazine in Issue number 44, they pointed out what the researchers missed. 
the researchers were going in and tried to find out what makes for sticky faith, and they started researching a large number of Christian youth from good homes, uh, raised in the church, stable two-parent families and everything else, and they were trying to find out how can we maintain that faith that they were given in this, so to speak, ideal environment, how can we maintain that into adulthood, okay? And they neglected what the young people said were their questions. They were asked directly, what doubts or questions do you have? And just so you know, the young people themselves, many of them said, these were the prime questions they had, but yet they were ignored by their parents and pastors. Question number one, their doubt, their question. Number one, does God exist? You heard me. They were questioning the reality of God, the reality of the existence of God. And while the researchers were busy, along with churches, Protestant, Catholic, busy trying to install a type of faith that would be maintained into adulthood, there was no faith to be maintained. I mean, you're, you're almost at a pre-faith level. Does God even exist? And then the second question, does God love me? I can't tell you how important what I'm sharing with you right now, how important this is. Because a young person today, uh, raised in the church, with these kind of questions, profound questions and doubts, are not going to be making it unless they have a huge measure of assurance that yes, God does exist, and yes, God does love me. Okay, now we're going to come back to our theology. Remember that Jesus said it's very easy to miss the realities of the kingdom. Remember, Jesus baptized, Holy Spirit descends, Father affirms his love for his Son. Now, you and your children having faith in baptism are in Christ. Um, there is an incredibly important preposition. It's two letters in Greek and it's two letters in English. It's the word in, I-N. Let's look at Galatians 3.14 because it's just summarizing in a few verses exactly what I've been sharing with you this episode. Galatians 3.14, in Christ, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, okay? Through our baptism, we are in covenant, we're joined, we're in union, we are in Christ. So you're not to read Matthew 3 just like it's a nice historical event, no, we are in what happened to Christ. The fullness of the Spirit came upon him, so 
the promise of the Spirit comes through faith for those who are in Christ. A little further on, Galatians 3, verses 26 and 27. For in Christ you are all sons of God through faith, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus have put on Christ. So in Christ, okay, faith, baptism, and what? The sons of God. We become children of God. We become brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. We literally, really, ontologically, <laughs> this is the reality of the kingdom in the present age. And then finally, Galatians 4, 6, which kind of tops it off. It says, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son. That's the spirit that came down in Matthew 3 at the baptism of Jesus. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Believe me, any person who experiences Galatians 4, 6, which I'll just call the kingdom reality, will know without a shadow of a doubt that God exists, and even more importantly, they will know in the most profound manner that God loves them as his own child. That is the essence, and if you can be anchored in that, this is exactly what what happened to Christ is available to us in the kingdom now, not some by-and-by land, now. And so what's the cure for amnesia? Well, I'll tell you a prayer. It's a prayer prayed once a year in the Catholic Church at the Easter Vigil. It's a prayer for the spirit of adoption. That means the prayer to have the Holy Spirit affirm to our hearts that we are children of God. And I pray this prayer several times a week, and it goes like this, sometimes several times a day. Stir up in your church a spirit of adoption so that renewed in body and mind, we may render you undivided service. And stir up in your family, stir up in your marriage, stir up in your children's life a spirit of adoption so that renewed in body and mind, we may render God undivided service. And this is the key. Once this happens, no one will be wondering if God exists, believe me. And you might even be hearing at a confirmation, somebody shouting, Abba, Father, God loves me. I'm not kidding, really, truly. They will be overwhelmed with the love of God. And we've underestimated what God wants to have for us in this age. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 427 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.